Good morning. Good morning. Better get my mic. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to our uh, morning service, 9.45. Welcome to Astounding Love, a church fellowship. We are located to all of you joining us on, on media, multimedia. We, we are uh, located at 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard here in San Jose, California, 95131. Our phone number is 408-945-4439. And, uh, and you can find us on the web. You can join us on uh, email us at astoundinglove.org. Uh, our email address is, what, MTM? Inc.org. <laughs> org. Praise the Lord. And let us pray. Thank you, Father. We're excited about what you're doing in our midst, Father, and what you have done. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love, oh God. We submit, Father God, everything we are to you. I submit everything that I am to you, Father. And I thank you for your love. I thank you for your faithfulness, oh God. I thank you for the many blessings which you have showered upon me and upon us, Father. You are good. You are a good Father. We acknowledge your goodness. We acknowledge your faithfulness, oh God. And we thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence this morning, for the opportunity to gather together as the ecclesia of God, the government of God. And we thank you, Father, for your, your will being done this day in our lives, in this place, Father. You be glorified. You be magnified, O oh God, and we will always give you all praise and all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I received a call that last night that you were supposed to be here this morning because you got to do this offering. I said, well, thank you. <laughs> so praise the Lord. Every time I do this, I find out, you know, uh, when you think you uh, have it all together, you think you don't know all these things. And I don't need to study that. I already knew it. Well, I find out the more I learn, the more I find I don't know. So uh, I was asking uh, my pastor this morning to uh, give me some things. And, and uh, right this morning, then you know, you, you do what you can. So praise God. <laughs> and I'm trying to make this thing bigger. But I had a. Um, the Lord had, I asked the Lord, said, okay, well, since this last last time that I had done this, I was told, uh, yeah, you weren't prepared. I could tell you, you weren't prepared. And so I was like, well, and the Bible says we're to be, what, ready in season and out of season. So you weren't prepared, so what am I going to do? So I get prepared. You should uh, study to show yourself approved. I said, well, I do study. I didn't study a particular thing, but so I asked the Lord to this morning, so. Because I was really busy yesterday, I didn't really get a chance to do what I wanted to do either. So I had all these things I wanted to do and, and did do. I had to do. And so, well, what do you want me to talk about? And he was just, you know, taking me through the uh, things that he has shown me about giving, the thing, his faithfulness. And uh, he is faithful whether we are faithful or not. God does not depend on us, on, uh, on us to be faithful, for him to be faithful to us. He's always faithful. He's always loving. So I said, um, God, what am I going to talk about? So, and he gave me this scripture about the tithe. You know, we know this Malachi 
all the time we look, we look at Malachi. Let's go, go there, as a matter of fact. Malachi 3, is it? And I can't see. Yeah, it's our favorite scripture in Malachi. Malachi about the tithe. Yeah, Malachi 3.10. Well, he's talking about uh, starting in verse, what is that, verse 8, verse 6, really. For I am the Lord, I do not change. I am the Lord, I do not change. That's the most, uh, what do you say, the most, it stood out to me immediately. Because I might change, you might change, circumstances might change, situations might change, and do. They do change. But God said, I am the Lord, I do not change. I remain the same. So no matter what's going on in my life, in your life, we can, do, we, can, what, we can trust God that he's going to be the same. He's going to be faithful. He said he's a faithful God. He's a loving father. So no matter what happens, I think of a couple of things, but no matter what happens, good or bad, God is still a rock for us. Yes. He said he's our rock. He doesn't change. He's faithful. He's God. And so we... We thank God for that. He said, I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, O sons of Jacob, are, you are not consumed. O sons of Jacob are not consumed. Therefore, the days, from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from me, from my ordinances, and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. Well, we often hear the scripture read when it comes to the tithe. But you know, he says, from the days of your fathers, our forefathers, he said, we have gone away from his ordinances and have not kept them. So how do we go away? How do we uh, turn away from the Lord? What do we do? Well, in thinking about the tithes and the offering, are we faithful in giving those? Are we faithful in doing the things? Because God has given us everything, and this is what I was, I was, uh, I was thinking about. And this is what he put on my heart, that no matter what you have, everything you have and everything that you possess, it comes from me. We say, at least I say, God is my source. I'm learning to live that. I'm learning to live that. God is my source. Well, what does that mean? It no matter what happens in my life, come good or bad, I'm trusting God to take care of me. He said he's God. He doesn't change. He's faithful. The kingdom of God has everything that I need. So God has everything that I need. <coughs> My point being is we're going to trust God. We've got to trust him with our whole life, with everything. Right. I think I said this recently. Uh, I got this from uh, some teaching that Pastor Arvind was doing. And she used this, uh, this phrase that I'm all in. Completely to immerse. Immerse yourself in the things of God. So I'm trying to see, well, have I immersed myself totally? And I can see some areas where my pastor might, my apostle might say, this is what I want you to do here. This is what I want you to do there. And so, I'm sorry, what you said? There's some areas that haven't got There's some areas. There's some areas that need work. I can agree with that. And I thank God that I'm aware, you know, I have a lot to learn. I have a lot to do. I want to come into this place 
of, he said, be ye perfect, even as I am perfect? Is it possible? Well, of course it is. He wouldn't tell us to do something that we weren't capable of doing, would he? No. God is not that type of God. If he said that we can do it, then what? We can do it. I can do it. You can do it. It may sound impossible to the natural man, but he said this morning that we are not a natural man. We're supernatural people. We are the government. We are the people of God. We are the ecclesia. We are kings and priests in the kingdom of God. We are not natural born man. So anything that God tells us to do, we can do. <clears throat> Return to me, he said. Well, first he said, you've gone away from ordinances, turned away from, my, from me, and have not kept my ordinances. So how many ways do we not keep God's ordinances? I mean, come on. How many ways? Think about it. The ordinances of God, which is what? The, the command, the decrees, the ways of God. We have not kept those, he said. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. So how do we return to God? Let's see. But you say, how shall we return? Did, did we not say that? I did. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithe and offering. You are cursed with a curse. Your whole nation, for you, are robbing me. Now this is where the nation come in. Not just me, us. Not just this church. Not just the church at large. But he says what? You are cursed with a curse. It sounds like he got a little... Uh, you know, a little sharp with us. He said, he said, you are cursed with a curse because you have robbed me. And not only us cursed with a curse, but he says what? Your whole nation, for you are robbing me. So we are cursed. The nation is cursed. So how are we going to remedy this, God? We can't just, you know, you're not going to leave us in a place of being cursed. Because I'm reminded of uh, the prophet that, that uh, said, you know, uh, to, to Baal that uh, I can't curse these people in the Old Testament. I can't curse these people because God has already blessed them. So God has not left us cursed. We are not cursed. We are in the covenant with God. So we are not a cursed people. We are blessed people. But he's talking about the tithe, where we handle his resources, where we handle his money, where we trust God. We trust God. So learning to trust God with everything, not only my uh, life, not only with other things that concern me, but trusting him with my finances. He said, Willem, he said, you are cursed with the curse of the whole nation. So what do we do? He said, you are robbing me. You bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. He said, bring all the tithe. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. So he's asking us to do something. He's asking us to test him. Test him. 
And it's going to test us as we test him because he said bring it all. He said bring it all, not a portion of it, not a little bit. And somebody said, well, what is the tithe? For those who, you don't, who don't know, the tithe is, is a 10% of all your first increase. So uh, I learned this long ago. It's not 10%. You know, there's another, another scripture that says something about, uh, you know, those who give so sparingly will reap sparingly, and those who, who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. Well, I looked at that. I said, wow, how am I sowing? And so he told me it's, you know, what is, what is bountifully and what is sparingly? He said it's different for everybody. Because you got a million dollars in, in your, your, your uh, giving to be a little more than mine. Who has not a millionaire yet. If you got, what, whatever your income may be, say for instance, come to the tide. Your income may be, what, $1,000 a week. So then what are you going to pay? You're going to pay that off the top, that $100? Because that's 10% of 1000 so every thousand you pay the what? The one hundred dollars, the two thousand, it goes on and on. So then, your pay may be what five thousand dollars a week. So your tithe would be what five hundred. My point is, it's different for everybody because you're gonna you're gonna take that tithe and pay your tithe. Then what do you give? Because you're not giving a tithe, you're paying your tithe. That's right. The giving, the offerings is above all is what that that you give above and beyond the tithe. So your offerings is what he's talking about as far as giving sparingly and sowing sparingly. So he, so he said if you give sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow, if you give bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. So I said, wow. And I've known this, but I haven't really pondered it. But I was thinking about it, like, maybe I need to give a little more to get a little more. And Pastor Lanzine recently expounded on this in uh, the Kingdom class on Wednesday night. We talking about offerings and tithes, and I don't know how much time I have. I guess a minute left or something. Uh, so, anyway, you can bring your tithes forward while, while I'm talking, if you would. But I'm, I'm trying to make a point here that my point was that as I'm thinking about, you know, what I give, am I giving enough? Am I giving bountifully? He said, let each one give according to as he has chosen in his heart and, awaited, and, and according to the blessings of God. So we're thinking about the widow's might. You know, they said she gave all that she had. She only gave what? Maybe a penny or two. But that was all she had. Think about it. I said, have I given my all? Have I given all that I have? I don't think I've ever done that. Not all. So that there's nothing in the bank. So praise God. It's something for you to think about. And bring the tithes and offerings forward. And we're now going to uh, <laughs> welcome Pastor Alonjean. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Don't forget your Bible and stuff. Okay. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I really like this book. It's called Smile, Laugh, and Be Happy. And it's by our own Dr. Baker. Um, I'll just keep talking. So, I really, 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 uh, I, got, I, I was honored to be able to work with her on this project. And I think one day we'll do some really good edits and bring it out in even a, another form. But uh, one of the things that was a lot of fun with this 
was writing little little songs and things of that sort that I've had, I've listened to people tell me they tried to do some of these little exercises. They were joy exercises. And some of the, the things, so I'm going to kind of use part of this, uh, I think, in, in, in different places. And I'm going to encourage you, open the book again and, and take a look at it. But uh, this particular song, when I get to it, it, it aligns with what we're talking about. So good morning again. Welcome to all those that are joining us by the various forms of media. I know about Periscope. I know about Twitter. I don't know where else you might be uh, joining us, but write in and let us know. You can write at contact us at astoundinglove.org and tell us how you're um, joining with us, whether it's by podcast later or uh, whatever that happens to be. I also want to say greetings to Astounding Love New York. Hey. Uh, because they are also a part of this. And there was something that Minister Al said a couple of weeks ago. He said, I don't know if I you know, should say hi to them. And I thought, well, yeah, I guess we should. That's been an omission on my part. So to Frederick and Patricia Johnson, to Carlita Lewis, and everyone else that is a part of New York, we, we greet you with God's astounding love. Yes, we do. Say yes, hi. <laughs> Okay, since what I'm going to talk about this morning is going to hit us hard, we may as well start laughing now. <laughs> Let um, some of those places, you know, open up the endorphins. And, and Is it endorphins? I don't know. I, I went to health class, but I, I didn't, I don't remember anything from health class until after I started reading the health book. And then I started thinking, you know, this is a really good book. I don't know why I didn't read it in class. Except, typically, I never did read the books in school because I, it was assigned. And I was rebellious. Because that's rebellion. Did you do your homework? No. Why? Because I'm straight up in rebellion. I don't want to do my homework because you told me to do my homework. And if you hadn't told me to do my homework, I probably would have done my homework. That's a wrong attitude. And it's the one that I, 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 I didn't know that I had that at that time. I discovered that about myself. It's like, wow, aren't you the unteachable, uncoachable thing? Um, I didn't know those words either, but I know them now. Christine, I need you to look in my purse or wherever it is and find my little pink pouch that has all my pink pins. <laughs> Purple pins. Okay, please, and thank you. So, what else do I want to say? I, ha I have some preambles that um, I'm going to say, and I'm going to say this too. Oh, thank you. Pink pouch. Okay. I have a, a few different uh, words that I want to share. I also want to remind everyone that we have envelopes that say Happy Birthday, Apostle Baker, and there's a beautiful box down there that we can, um, every week, all 52 of them, you know, we can put something in it and, and put the envelope, put, put the envelope in there because even though her birthday is December 3rd, um, it's December 3rd every year. <laughs> so it's like what we start this year, we can continue throughout the 2020 year and, and bring it on. There's a lot of things that are, that are going on right now and I, I want to settle um, and I'm just listening to Holy Spirit because I really have no intentions of rambling. If I skip subjects, it's going to be that I'm, I have to hit something 
and then come back to something else, all right? So, glory to God. Father, we bless you, and we praise you, and we thank you so much for the, for the truth of your word and for the power. And I thank you for, for from Genesis to Revelation, what it is that you have revealed to us about yourself and your heart's desire to lead us into the only truth that there is, which is you, relationship with you, knowledge of you, the joy of knowing you, and the honor of being one of yours. I pray today for the people of the body of Yeshua, of the Messiah, because we have been a people that have walked in darkness and lack of understanding, and I, I personally know that I have been such a one. The entrance of your word, the allowing of your word to come in and to have precedence, to have preeminence in our lives, turns the light on, on the inside of us, into the areas of resistance or rebellion or ignorance, whatever it may be. And I thank you this morning for the lights being turned on in the whole temple. I thank you for those of your people. We have, we have not understood, or I, I heard my apostle say this this morning, we have not properly discerned the body. And there are a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings about what you said, mainly because we've tried to change your words for something more palatable, or whatever the reason might be, forgive us. Because the purity of your word is the power of your word. And it is the power that, that connects with your spirit on the inside of us and causes manifested happenings, occurrences, change, atmospherically, physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, worldwide, international, global change starts with what God said. And I thank you that today we choose to give honor to you and to you, Jesus, the living word of God, and to you, Holy Spirit, the manifester, and that we see you as our only source for truth and life and godliness and success and power and everything you are our life, and your life is the life that you have put us here to live and to live through us. And today I choose to yield and avail myself and submit to you and to your truth and to your change and to your desires. The king is your husband. Do what he wants. Give him what he desires. You ask the question, Jesus, how? Can you call me Lord, Lord, and yet not? Or why do you do it and not do what I tell you? Why do you say this about me and yet do something opposite of me? Ignorance. We sometimes have been really crazy. But today, healing comes, manifested, change comes, and grace is released and forgiveness is taken because you've given it to us. And I thank you for your words that pierce through and change us and bring us into the places that you have dreamed for us to come into. In Jesus' name. Amen.
So this is biblical solutions for life. And that's what the word of God is. I heard someone say, uh, uh, a rabbi say something. I was listening to this morning. And it really sets the tone for what we're talking about. He said, you know, nothing ever happened until God said it. Creation started with words. And then the words that were spoken manifested. Creation didn't start on its own. It started because God spoke. And then when God spoke, what God said happened. That's really, we've talked about, oh yeah, that's the law of first mention. It's, it's, it's the law of life, our life too. What God says happens the way he said it. And as I hear this, I, I think about things that God has said that the corresponding actions, my actions, our actions, whoever, our actions didn't line up with what he said. That's right. And so, and yet we think he lies because what he said didn't happen. But the law of first mention says everything he says happens. Yes. So where's the disorder? It's, it, it's us. I see, hear people say, I fall away from the faith because I was trusting God for something and God caused this to happen and God caused that to happen and, and, uh, and we say things God didn't say. But Satan says all the time. So a biblical solution has to be a God solution. It has to be, you know, and a biblical solution for life is God's word for his life. It's the life of God. There is no a, a life apart from God. There is existing, but living now, it takes a supernatural involvement. And we are looking at, as we, we talk about these things, we, we say that it's the um, culture of the kingdom of God that we're talking about. And we're talking about the power to change life, but I want to go on. Slide three says that we're talking about, we're looking at victorious living. Kingdom living. Because, and it's kind of funny, because... Uh, victorious living is kingdom living. And kingdom living is victorious living. So the, I guess two words are the same. Victorious and, and kingdom are, are the same word. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of victory. It is the victorious kingdom. And, and what you do in the kingdom is live. You don't exist. So a lot of the, the phrases that we use sometimes, they're more for the simplifying, I think, of, of things that we need to know. But maybe sometimes it's better to not try to simplify what's already simple. We don't need to mess with what he said because he said it very clearly in terms of when the instruction comes. Now, the parables, yes, okay. But you know, when you follow the instructions, even the parables become understandable. 
Because he's comparing you to something else. You with me so far? Yeah. All right. I want to say this. Last week, I was asked a question, and it came to my attention that I can respond to things sometimes, and it, it can put people off. Yeah. Um, and so what I want to do is just uh, correct something, okay? Alicia asked a question last week, and I responded to her question. I, I spoke to her about this already. Um, I responded to her question with the question. I wasn't clear on what I was doing, so it came out in such a way that it almost can be like, I'm resisting her question. That was not my intent. I was really thinking when she said, the, the question was somewhere along the lines of, um, so our thoughts, do they connect when we, when we think his thoughts and so forth, do they connect us? Is that pretty much... Okay, from this, does it connect my soul to, to? What I say, does it connect to God? Does it connect to God? That's what she said. And so I asked the question, does it? Was it not challenging her? What I was doing, and, and it's something that I will do in future, but I have to learn how to do it in such a way that we can respond to it and you don't get put off by it and get intimidated and think I shouldn't ask her anything. Because what I wanted to do is simply say this. Does it? Let's look at what happens when we do it. When we speak something that, from, that the Word of God says, do, do, we, do we sense that we're connecting to what he said? When we say, I can do all things through Christ, there could be a trembling or something going on with that. But also, as I start to say it, and I start to teach myself, this is the truth. Does that begin to connect me? Do you understand? My whole point is, is that sometimes I like to explore a question with using the question itself. But it did not come off right, and I apologize to all of you for that. Because I don't want anybody ever thinking, you know, I can't ask her anything because she's just gonna throw it back at me and blah, 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 you know? That is not the intent, all right? So if that's what you felt, please forgive me because that was never my intention. Okay. When we talk about kingdom living, we're talking about total immersion in the kingdom life and culture. Total immersion, I'm not a swimmer yet, uh, and I have not voluntarily been in a swimming pool with the water anywhere higher than waist, except for, you know, I sat down on the step in my mom's pool, and uh, it'll, come, it'll come that high, and sometimes I'll go, I, I, well, I have kind of knelt down a little bit because you can do rotations and arms and stuff, but because I don't know how to swim, <coughs> excuse me, the thought of immersing underwater can be a little terrifying. I have to get rid of that. I have to learn. Because you have, I have to face certain things and it's like it intimidates me to be around water because of the fact that I don't know what to do with it if, if that were to happen. But I can still see, use this because this picture is, a, is, is the desire of total immersion into kingdom life and culture. You need to change the slide so that they can see that. Um, he's underwater, but, but the water in this case is, is what we're trying to say is the word, the water of the word, living in this word, immersing myself into the culture of the, of the, of the kingdom life, is to let the word of God make my decisions or be the, the, the foundation for everything that I say or think, for my beliefs. The word of God changes 
what I might currently believe about myself or about you or about this world or about anything else, and that I take on in the places where I have walked deviously or I have walked in deception or I've walked foolishly because I've walked according to a natural understanding, according to things I learned in the world, to take what God has said and to move from believing that I can only do it if it's within my realm of possibility to move into the realm of with God all things are possible and what's impossible to man is possible with God so even when I face things that are daunting like the thought of getting in a pool or, or doing something like that what seems impossible based upon my past experience what seems impossible based on my observation what seems impossible based on how I've lived my life up to now when I switch away from or move away or push away from the shore of familiarity and the shore of life as I have always done it, to step into, immerse myself into life as God has shown it, God has said it, God has decreed it, and God dreams for me, then I move from the possible uh, of the world or the impossible of the world into the possibilities of God which are what the world calls impossible. That's a, a, a way of saying I want, I, I choose to be in this completely. It's, it's a total immersion into kingdom life and culture is choosing every day. It's every moment, and we, we have those slides, I'm sure, every thought, every, every, every this, every that, because this is the truth. And it's when the resistance comes. I've heard Dr. Baker say this and others, you know, faith begins where the will of God is known. Obedience begins where the will of God is known. Change begins where the will of God is known. Power happens where the will of God is known. Everything happens where the will of God is known. The choice to become a part of that, to be all in, is when the will of God is known and, it, and you, your will, personal will, my will, conflicts with what the will of God is. That I make the decision, my will is gone. Or my will changes from self-will to God's will. It's a, it's a change of ruler. Either he rules my life or I do. And I haven't done a very good job of it. And no one has, actually, because apart from God, we can't do it. We can function, we can do different things, and, and we look at uh, all that, but the scripture tells us that from the beginning, God created man in his own image. It was not man created God. Now, man tries sometimes to create God in his image, which is why he's not very likable, and why he is always looking to hurl lightning bolts at you and fry you. Or which is why he'll let you do the permissible stuff, but then the hard stuff he gives you out, you know, or all the different things, and, and people don't want him because he, that's not real, and it's not a good story. So we cannot create God. God gave us the creative ability that comes through him. We didn't give that to him. I think it's kind of like you look at who was here first. It's not us. You know, my age is over 21. My mama's age is over 21. My age, even though my mama's been where I've been, but I have not yet been where she is. And I don't care how old I get. 
Do you understand? I will never have the right to disdain or dishonor or to tell her what to do as though I am her source of life. She didn't come out of me. I came out of her. Understand what I'm saying? And the same is true for every one of us. Same is true for our children. When they decide to tell us what they decide to tell us, it's like, um, that might have been called under the heading of poor decision. If you have my mama. Or if you like my mama. And in that, I'm like my mother. That's a very poor decision as my daughter learned early. You know, you won't be doing that. I don't go to the whole, I brought you into this world and I can take you out, but I will take you down. <laughs> right? <laughs> that just won't be, for her sake. For her sake. Well, that's the same thing God is saying. Look, for your sake, it's better for you to honor than it is to dishonor. For your sake, it's better to obey than not to obey. People are dying, we know this. But people are dying quickly. It's been prophesied, it's not... It's, just, it's the type of thing I've, I've heard it for, for like the last 10, 15 years. But what has happened is we're in the time now where it's begun. And see, what you've heard about is one thing. But when you're in the era where it's happening, it's different. We had heard it. But now, you know, that we heard that there was a deliverer. But now he has come. We heard that this is what he would do. But now it's, it, we're seeing what we said that we believed, we're seeing it. Or what we, we heard before, we're seeing it happen. See, we're in a time where things that God has said, where God has promised, what God has, has prophesied through, through many for years, we have hit a, a, a place in history, in existence of, of humanity, where those things are being seen. And so what that says to us is, listen, wherever you're out of alignment, you better get in. Because you see, what was prophesied about many will is now starting to be numbered and identified as who some of those many are. And I don't want to be one of them. So last week I made a comment, I don't want to be um, a problem child. I don't want to be known as one of God's problem children. I, I don't desire to have that testimony. So the answer to that is then you have to obey. You get to. And it's the best place to be. So, from the beginning, God created man in his own image, and he was pleased with the man he made. And he saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And man became a living soul. Man became a living, breath carrying, God breath carrying person. And absolute perfection was released into us. Now, why is it important to know that? It's important to know that because. When the Bible says, Psalm 138, verse 8, that the Lord will perfect the things that concern you, it means that the perfection of God will transform your life. Okay? Think on that. It says to have the mindset that is your life-changing power. That's what we're talking about, okay? Having the mindset that is our life-changing power. Crystal, you're going to have to keep up with me, babe. Cultivated kingdom beliefs 
and kingdom ideologies form kingdom wisdom, kingdom knowledge, kingdom understanding, and kingdom insight. No? Okay? Yeah, just go to... Yeah, there it is. Okay. Cultivated kingdom beliefs, say it. Okay, so that word cultivated means making, creating, working. Cultivating soil, you have to put it to work. You have to cut stuff up, break things up, and, and, and open it up, let it start to breathe. Making kingdom, or, or taking on kingdom beliefs. Making kingdom beliefs my beliefs is what cultivated kingdom beliefs mean. Making kingdom beliefs my beliefs. Mm -hmm. I'll have to remember to change that. Making kingdom beliefs, my beliefs. Making kingdom ideologies, kingdom thinking. That's what that word, ideologies is a fancy way of saying thinking. Making kingdom thinking, my thinking. It will form in me kingdom wisdom. It will form in me kingdom knowledge. It will form in me kingdom understanding. And it will work, and what will work through me is king, and kingdom inside. All of these things will form in me and work in me, changing me, yeah, yeah. changing the way I think. Me yeah. taking this, making kingdom beliefs my beliefs. Cultivated soil, um, or cultivating uh, the ground. The, the ground is prepared for the seed. The seed changes the conditions of the soil. That's right. And the word of God planted on the inside of us that we allow to grow changes us. You know, it's interesting because when we talk about demonic things, I've noticed that they'll say, or you talk about a wound. A wound, um, people will say things like this, it festers, which is really gross. The wound festered. What happened? Infection came in. It starts changing the appearance and gross liquids start to appear. Just nasty, smelly, ugly things happen to an untended wound, correct? That's right. But the word of God does not fester. It changes, it heals. You see, the quality of God's word is always designed, even if it hurts something, it cuts to the quick, which is that little part right here. It cuts to the quick so that everything poisonous goes away. That's what the, what the power of God's word does, but the power of dark words are designed to destroy someone, are designed to, to be in their minds in such a way that they... They keep replaying and replaying and replaying, and every time they replay it, it destroys a little more and destroys a little more and destroys a little more. Whereas when you keep playing the word of God, it's destroying, but it's not destroying you. It's destroying the things, the thoughts that have been trying to destroy you. Do you see? That's the quality of this word. Nobody ever says the word of God festers, (laughs) but the wounds fester. Something to think about. The one I skipped, you can go back up to it now, is that all things are possible with the wisdom of God. This is what we were talking about. That you go from the impossible with man and you step into the possibilities of God. 
when I look at things from, uh, and I go, oh my gosh, this is impossible, then I'm living from the start to the finish. But when we do things through the kingdom, when we live from the finish, period. Yeah, you go from the finish to the start. What you start, you, you, we're at the finish. The, it is finished. It, it is so. This is where healing is. Healing is not in I'm going to get. Healing is in it is finished. Health, wholeness, change is that it is, it is finished. We've been conditioned by the way that we live in this world to nurse the pain, to continually speak about it, to investigate it, to study it, to, to know everything about every, one of the medications, to be able to identify which medication will do what and to expect that those these symptoms will occur and the meds will be there to, to deal with it. But the word of God is the medicine. And what I notice in, in my own life is that I can go forward and progress, but if I have not put word, the word that changes me, then I will only change as far as the word was that I spoke. But when I keep saying what he says, then there's an ongoing manifesting of himself that causes everything that is not him to have to depart because it just can't stand being in the presence of God. Yep, 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 Darkness yep. just doesn't, like, it will hold on. I think some of those demons that are assigned to us are like in a lot of pain because the because we put the word of God in, at least on a, on a day like today. But then when we go through the week, it says, okay, now I feel better. I can, I can stay here now because I got them back to speaking what everybody else says. And I got them back to thinking the way that I trained them to think. But then you come back into a place like this. We're not the only ones. But, you know, you come back into a place where the word of God is exalted and where people were saying, no, we believe what God said. And those things are going, oh, I hate these days. I hate these days. Right now, that's what's going on. I hate this. Talk about something else. Put somebody down. Do something. Don't apologize. Don't walk in forgiveness. Don't talk about stuff like that. Would you kindly say something offensive so I can slap Peanut up the head and get him back? It's true. Because if your thoughts right now are like, you know, this is possible. Maybe I could do this. You know, I could let this in. I could change. I could do that. He was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Uh-uh. You don't want to do that. It's too much work. It'll be too hard. You have to do it all the time. You have to change everything that you're thinking. Oh my gosh, keeping the beliefs. What about the beliefs you've had all your life? Why would you want to give them up now? Look at how they've worked for you. I saw a picture of a orangutan with the belly hanging out, hand on the side of the tree going, so, you see them? <laughs> no. No. See, I'll tell you by faith, no. I come from the finished place, no. God said, if somebody for me, no, I'm not I'm not available, not at all, right? Well, that's what what it is that you say to these things too. Um no, you don't want to cultivate kingdom beliefs. You don't want to uh, take God's wisdom. God's wisdom is not the only right wisdom. Come on, come on, come on. The other right. Do you see? When you make, this is extreme. This is extreme. God's wisdom is the only right and true wisdom. It corrects what is wrong. 
That's extreme. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Isn't that a silly expression? Oh, come on. Come on and what? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, come on. You mean to say, you mean to tell me, you mean to, yes, I mean to, me, you mean to is intentional. Am I intentionally saying that God's wisdom is the only right and true wisdom? Yes. But that's extreme because there are many other beliefs. Yes, I know, and they're all wrong. If it's not his belief, it's wrong. You can't say that. I did say it. <laughs> yeah, but think of all the people you're offending. I'm only offending demons. That's right. That's right. I'm offending demons. That's right. That's true. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because the people don't understand you have authority over that very spirit that is telling you how to think. And we keep learning. Oh, life is fun. All right. So yeah. let's keep going. Let's get down. Go back. Cultivating the power to change life. We talk about it every thought, every time. This is exactly that. We're taking certain thoughts and we're exposing that thought to the light of the word. The interest of this word shines light. And you're going, you know, I've always believed this about myself. I've always believed this. But see, but if it was a thought that was based upon how I've been taught here, how I learned what, where I grew up. This is where that whole environmental uh, conversation comes from. Uh, I, you know, I was taught this way, I was raised this way because of my conditions, because of this, because of that. Uh, this is really as far as I can go. And it's like, no, you can think, what, what if you imagined that you had the power to change your life to a life that takes you away from mediocrity or failure? What if you could, what if you could? Would you? Well, you don't know where I came from. Well, where you came from, what does where you came from have to do with where you can go? Well, they said, ah, okay, who is they? The other crabs in the pot. Oh, okay. Do they say when on everything and you believe it? No, just really no. Because what you want to do, you'll do. And when we don't want to do something, we use the excuse. At least I have. Okay. Keep going, because there's a different thought I want to get to. We talked about how Jesus identifies with and thinks like God. And the kingdom citizens identify with and think like Jesus. Kingdom citizens are sons. Yes. You're not a citizen of the kingdom unless you're a son of God. Because to become a citizen, a kingdom of the citizen of God, you must be born from above. Be, your birth is, is, is documented in the book, in the kingdom, that you are a part of that. So that, that authenticates you as a son of God. What does? He does. And then his spirit comes to live in us as the proof, as the, as the proof of citizenship. And I, I, I think you pretty much are familiar with this. But proof of citizenship is not the level that we lived. We most of the time live proof of, of I'm saved. But the question is back, saved for what? 
Why? So that I could have this life that I was originally created to have. And that I can live this life. So that my DNA, my thumbprint, my fingerprints, my handprint, my imprint is identified with the way Jesus thinks and talks. And he thinks and talks like God. We've said this before, we'll say it again, and we'll keep saying it, and you'll say it. And you'll say it, and you'll say it. And then you'll say it, and you'll believe it. And then you'll say it, and you'll take it. And you'll say it, and you'll change, try it. And you'll say it, and it affects someone else. And you'll say it, and you change things there. And you'll say it, and they'll believe it. And you'll say it, and they'll take it. And you'll say it, and they'll do something with it, and they'll say it. And the process goes on and on and on, and the DNA changes. One, two, multitudes. Because it's even if it's a whole crowd of people, it's still one person at a time. Because we see masses, but God sees individuals. We can look out and see a crowd of people and maybe call out one or two. God sees every single one of us up close and personal all the time. That's how Jesus thinks and identifies with God. That the prayers that he prayed, the words that he said, it's everyone. And then I want to replicate so that you, so that we can reach all of them. So that nobody's left out. Because if the kingdom were only for us, well, then it wouldn't be God. Okay, I, I was hoping you'd wait just a little bit because okay. I have something I want you to do. But okay, let me do this first. Sure. On it, we're, uh, one of the scriptures that uh, Pastor has up here is First Corinthians. I'm at, yeah, First Corinthians. First Corinthians microphone. First Corinthians microphone. First Corinthians one ten. And, and I'm going to read it to you out of, uh, I want to read this as to what it was that she was just saying. Now, I beg of you, please, brethren, by uh, my appeal to you, being enforced by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that name holding within its com compass all of that, he, all that he is in his glorious person and wonderful salvation, I beg of you, please, that all of you be speaking the same thing and that there be no fractions among you by that the breaches in your fellowship caused by these fractions having been healed that you may remain perfectly united in the sphere of the same mind and in the sphere of the same opinion and that is saying the same thing about God, the same thing about the kingdom, the same thing about who he says you are, the same thing. It just backs up. This is a scripture that backs up what was being said. If we all say what he says about us, you see, we miss, miss this sometimes because we think that we're talking about saying the same thing about how to, whatever it is, okay? But it's saying the same thing about what God has said. The same thing about what God has said. 
God has said this is the way his kingdom operates. So that's the way that we say it. That's what we say. And so we're saying the same thing. So we're in agreement with his word. Is that? Okay. So kingdom citizens identify with and think like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. As Dr. Baker just read, saying the same things Jesus said. If you just took a count, mental count right now, about the things that you've said about yourself this week, or the things that you've said about others this week, how many things did Jesus say that you said? Right? So, <clears throat> you didn't get kicked out of the kingdom, but it's a violation. How about that? When we think like that, see, when we think that way and we realize the words he spoke were to give life, not to speak death then you move away from a legalistic way of saying, I, I must only say what God says. Well, if you make it sound like that, probably it's better that you just be quiet or talk in a tape recorder because just that I must do this kind of thing is going to put us in the wrong way of manifesting, if you will. God, there's so much here, and I, I know I'm going slow. So... Um, from the beginning, the next one, it says, from the beginning, Jesus spoke for thought like and acted like God, right? Okay, so this is this little song on this book. Okay. It's called the Victory Shout Song, and your part is to say, yeah, when I point to you, so say it. Yeah. Nice, okay, all right, that's it. This is, it says in the book, words by Lunzing Lee can be sung to the tune of the Hokey Pokey. Okay, I don't know if I ever told you but, uh, this. I was living in this apartment at the time that my mother really did not like, <laughs> but um, because it was uh, the train tracks that were right next door to the apartment. And um, my little office, before I moved into the dining room, was my bedroom, and I had this little desk right in front of the window, and I was sitting there with this little computer. Everything was little, just, you know, the little space, the little thing. And I was sitting here going through the, the edits for a book, and I, all of a sudden, I heard these words. So I, I'm, I'm trying to say, these words were so given to me, I did not, these were not hard to write. It took like three minutes to write the whole song. It was the Holy Spirit thing, and I, I guess he really likes to have fun with me. So here it is. I speak the word of God, I say it to myself. I speak the word of God, and I give my brain a rest. I put my trust in someone who knows me inside out, so I let out a victory shout. Yeah! Nice. I put the good thoughts in, I put the good words, I speak the good words out, I put the good thoughts in, then I start to laugh at doubt. Ha ha! I do a little shuffle and I dance around a lot, then I let out a victory shout. Yeah! Good, now we're gonna laugh. And you know the Hokey Pokey song, so it goes like this. Ha 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 
I changed the song there. Okay. It goes like this. Ha 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 Cause I put my trust in Jesus and he's turned my thoughts around So I let out a victory shout, oh yeah I let out a victory shout, oh, yeah Okay, and I was thinking of this song when I was driving in this morning And it's like, yeah, I, that's what I do That's what I do I speak the word of God I speak it or I say it to myself Okay? I speak the word of God. I say it to myself. That's really important because I'm really genius at saying it to everybody else. But I say it to myself. Okay? This is important. From the beginning, Jesus spoke for God, like and acted like God, which meant what? He spoke the word of God to himself. His brain rested from trying to figure stuff out. And he spoke the word of God to himself. He gave his brain a rest. He put his trust in someone who knows him inside out. And he shouted a lot. He spoke a lot. Do you understand? So the song is not just a cute song. But it's a song that says, that's what I do. In the kingdom, I, I, I put these. This is on page uh, 48 in the book. Alright, it's it's really important. It's um Dr. Baker always would tell us to laugh, to laugh. And um, that we, we need to you know we need we need to we need to pay attention to, to what we are saying. Go ahead and go to the next one. And that's what I'm saying, words are seeds. And you have to pay attention to the words that you allow to come out of your mouth. I have to pay attention to what I'm saying. I have to um I have to. Why? This is, is that a rule for your life? Yes. yes. It's a rule for my eternity. It's the ruling um, foundation that puts me in places of power and, and places where I can lay hands on people and the power of God changes their life. Don't you want that? So what we're talking about today, or what I'm talking about, is investing in the word differently from the way that we have invested in it before. Allowing the investment that Jesus made for him to get his return, and it's with joy. Words are seeds. And we just talked about that. So you pay attention to the words you allow to come out of your mouth. Did I, I, don't you ever do that? You're talking to people and, I don't know, does the the junior high thing come up or something and you just suddenly want to fit in? Yes. Yeah, we got to get over that. We're not in junior high. It wasn't good. (laughs) It was not good. You know, why? Why would I want to go in high school? No. They can't make me go back. I have a piece of paper that says I graduated. I never have to go back there again. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So, but pay attention because you're out now in the workplace or in the supermarket or something, and somebody, oh my God, I tell you what, I just get, and you just, you know, you know, I, I, I feel the same thing. It's like, yeah. what did I just say? 
I've caught myself doing that. I heard someone, oh yeah, because this is, it's hard for me to do this and this is this and that. I know this, I, you know, I, it's like, girl, shut up. You, this is your moment to look over and smile and say nothing. Nothing. Do, you're not a part of this. You're not one of those cheerleaders. You're not on that team. You're not in this. Shh. Instead of, because I caught it. It's like, what did I just, what did I just agree with? And then, let me tell you something. And when it's the world, you go, excuse me, you know, I just said that. I really didn't mean that. That was not a confession for me. I need to take those words back. Yeah, whatever. Live life and prosper. <laughs> But you're like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand because I'm part of God. And, and what I just said, you're being in collusion with the devil. And see, now you just, shh. Have you done it? And people look at you like, okay, yeah. Hallelujah. Right? Or no, how do you usually say hallelujah? The title carry way? Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even have to go for that one this time. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay? So pay attention. Just see how big the birds are seeds. What did you just, oh, no, I don't want that harvest. No, no, I don't want that, you know. No, I committed to, oh, I didn't mean to say. Are you in? Um, sure. No. No. I'm, oh, gosh, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. This is how, you know, and then what do you do? Then you start releasing words. Oh, you're so stupid. I cannot believe you did it. Oh, my God. I speak the word of God. I say it to myself. Oh, no, you're stupid. I know why you did That's not the right release. Okay? See, why? Because you want to reap an abundant, righteous harvest. Correct? Okay. So, this is important. I was talking to my mom about this yesterday. When we want to do that, it's also, Jesus said this. Pay attention to, I didn't write the scriptures down, but... Pay attention or take heed to how you feel. Right? Pay attention to how you take things in. Um, pay attention to all of these different things. And, and he's saying, pay attention to what you hear that offends you. Yes. Yes. Okay? Yes. Avoid offense. By paying special attention to the words that you receive from friends and relatives. Because family has a way. Um, family is precious. Right? They are. Look, you better say it because you're family. Okay? See? And what we owe my family, my family, my family. And your family is saying, yeah, her, him, they's family. They's family. But you want to avoid offense because family and friends have a way of saying things to you sometimes that, I don't know. Church family too. Church family too. Oh, yes. You know, like uh, greetings, haven't seen you in a while, looking good. Right? So, or, or something like this. Go ahead. <laughs> Wait for it. Apparently. Why don't you come read that one? 
I posted this on my Facebook page too. It came from a family member. Probably. Yeah, it did come from one of our family members. She posted it. Okay, Carissa, stand up. Oh, girl, you're getting so big. You are so big. Okay, that's a child you say that to, right? Okay, Daniel, stand up. <laughs> wow. Boy, are you so big. <laughs> now, why is it okay to say it to a little girl? And then... The the, the uh, and he's not fat, whatever. The, but but tell him, yeah, boy, you getting big? I didn't realize that you were so big. Whoa, you got bigger since I saw you. <laughs> so uh, why is it okay? <laughs> you got it. So apparently it's appropriate to say, look at you, you're kind of so big, the children. <laughs> but adults tend to get offended. <laughs> okay, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. You have to respond to it as a child would. And just laugh. And just laugh. Okay, just laugh. <laughs> and laugh some more. What am I really talking about? Are you so cute? I've been wondering if you need that picture for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's what we're really talking about, though. Living from a Romans 12 moment perspective. Yes. We're making a decisive dedication of our body members and faculties as a living sacrifice, which is holy and well-pleasing to God. You know, there's something about saying that. I present my body as a living sacrifice. And then it just seems to get, like, the mind, the, 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 the spirit that you're not to listen to says, this is getting worse. Because not only you have to present your body, I mean, don't even try to do Amplify. Why don't you just go to King James? Because you don't understand it anyway. If you just say it in King James, it won't matter. Go ahead and go with it, Romans chapter 12. Sometimes King James is just the way to go. It's like, look, don't break it down to me. Don't, don't, don't try to bring on anybody's translation. I don't need Amplified. I only read King James because I don't understand what he's saying. And I'll go ahead and say it, but it, it, it didn't mean anything to me, so I'm not taking I, I said it. I said it, but you can't prove nothing because you asked me what it meant. I'm ignorant of it, okay? <laughs> so I might say, I beseech you, therefore, this is brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, your reasonable service. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. Okay, so you're going to pray that? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, you be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, that's a lot that he's expecting, it seems, don't you? Uh, yeah, I'll commit to that. What does it mean? Actually, I don't have time to hear it, but I'll come back sometime. But here in this one, she said, it says, I therefore beg of you, please, brethren, through the instrumentality of the, the aforementioned mercies of God, 
Now this is very legal. By a once-for-all presentation to place your bodies at the disposal of God, a sacrifice, a living one, a holy one, well-pleasing, your rational, sacred service. Rational in that this service is performed by the exercise of the mind. Ooh. Wow. And stop assuming an outward expression that does not come from within you and is not representative of what you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. But change your outward expression to one that comes from within and is representative of your inner being by the renewing of your mind. See that part right there. You can't change it just by, you know, but it is by the renewing of your mind resulting in your putting to the test what is the will of God, the good and well-pleasing and complete will, and having found that, it meets specifications, place your approval upon it. And so some would think that's too much work. That's the loose translation. That that's too much work, but no, it's not. It's not the work of toil and drudgery. It's the work of deliverance and victory. Yes. I think that what happens is people, here we said, making a scientific dedication of your body, members, and faculty as a living sacrifice, which is holy and well-pleasing to God. This decision and action is the expected response to what God has said. He expects us to dedicate, to, to, to do these things. This is communion. This is communion. This is that I decided that as a part of this, as a part of this family, as a part of the life that I have chosen, this is a part of what I do. Because this is what enables me to win. We look at these things as religious exercises instead of life, uh, what is the word I want? These are the keepers, I'm going to say it that way, the keepers of life. These are the, the, the things that you do that maintain health. I don't think anybody here eats like six donuts and five glasses of orange juice every morning. And if you don't, maybe one, but um, every day and, and, you know, five pieces of uh, five cakes and, and, and six loaves of this or that or the other um, all, all the time because it, you can't, your body's only going to sustain that for a short period of time and then you're going to die. I don't care if it's 40 years that you get away with it, it still will kill you. This is what gives us life. This is what changes, the, helps us to change the decision making processes that we go through so that we choose Him. Easily, instead of struggling. See, when we struggle, it's because those are the areas of rebellion and resistance. Right. But when we make the decisive dedication and do this as a part of our joyous life, not, I've got to surrender to God. You make it sound like you're being taken captive. Surrendering to God is not captivity. It's deliverance from captivity. Yes, 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 yes. Because it's saying, no, see, I'm surrendering to the one that's going to treat me well, as opposed to having to surrender to the one that's going to bring destruction into my life. It's the thinking that's wrong. 
how you think about the word of God, how you think about things that are the, the areas that will call for, oh, Lord, you know, this will call for change or, or whatever it is. Well, how do you think about that? Tells you where you are in your beliefs. Go ahead. Cultivated kingdom beliefs, right? Making the beliefs of the kingdom mind. Taking on the beliefs of the kingdom. Taking on the, uh, the thinking of the kingdom. Taking on, okay, ideologies. I'm going to say that again. This word here, it really does mean how you think. Kingdom thinking is not world thinking. I know that sounds simple, but put it in that perspective. Kingdom thinking is not regular thinking. It's not the way everybody thinks. It's not the typical... Kingdom thinking will bring out words from your conversation that have people looking at you differently. But as they see the outcome of things, it will have them listening to you more. Kingdom thinking is how God thinks, how the king thinks. Right, that's right. The wisdom of the kingdom is God's wisdom. You see, if you just change the word kingdom and put in God, cultivating God's beliefs, cultivating God's thinking, God's wisdom, God's knowledge, God's understanding, and God's insight equips my spirit to shift my feelings, emotions, attitudes, behaviors, and habits from the earthly, sensual, and devilish perspective. So what it shows me is two different perspectives. It's that one and, and the other. And God is what makes the difference. Biblical solutions are God solutions. Kingdom culture is God culture. You see, you cannot have the kingdom of God without God. Kingdom thinking, kingdom belief, kingdom thinking. How you think affects how you see. Is that correct? Okay. So kingdom thinking is your ability to see your life from God's in the beginning point of view. Kingdom wisdom is your ability to see and to think the way God, or, or use God's wisdom, use his decision-making process, his way, his way of approaching or solving any scenario always has a perfected outcome. Seeing your life, this is important because I, I, I had it before, it was just see life, but see your life from God's point of view. From God's point of view. You by faith, if I said, how many do that? Oh yes, by faith I do it. Okay, take a moment. The scenario, the situation that you're looking at right now, your area of weakness, your area of failure or, or uh, struggle, your area of whatever it is. You and I look at those areas from the earth. And then we pray and hope to God that there's a solution. And then we said, no, 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 I'm, I'm a little bit beyond that. And I believe, you know, because I know how the quality of what comes out in this house. So I would say, okay, no, we know that we need to find what the word of God has to say. But in order to be able to see yourself out of the situation, because we will speak the word, speak the word, and sometimes just hope it works. I spoke the word, but, you know, right now i got to figure out what to do. I'm still worried about this. I said, why are you worried well, because this is happening, this is going on, and this is not happening, and this is due now, and this is going on. But I thought you said I spoke the word. I did speak the word. Then why are you worried? 
Because I didn't see it from God's point of view. I don't see my situation the way he's looking at it. I'm looking at it the way I'm looking at it. I'm not looking at it the way he does. Somebody, oh, and this is really famous. You say something and somebody comes along. It's usually a person such as myself. <clears throat> I know this because I've heard the way my mom's taught about this. And, um, you know, you say, oh, this is, this is, this. I, well, you know, the word says this. And I can believe that da 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 well, that's really fine with you and you. I can believe what the word has said. <laughs> but right now, I'm in a crisis. <laughs> Your belief ain't helping me at all. <laughs> but you go ahead on, holy girl, holy boy. And you believe. But would you just believe my circumstances will change because your belief ain't helping? You're wrong, we hopper. My belief is healthy. Oh, you heard yeah. my conversation with your sister last night. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> a relative. A relative. Yeah. <laughs> it is healthy. Because when you come back to yourself, at least you know who you can come talk to. Yes. Or rather, when you get out of yourself and come into the kingdom again, <laughs> you know who to talk to. In the meantime, you become a prayer assignment. <laughs> That's good. Praise you, Jesus. It's true. In the meantime, you become because it's either one of two things. I'm either going to, or you're going to, we're either going to speak the word, and when they reject the word, we're going to keep speaking the word and pray for them for whatever the situation is. We're going to look from God's point of view, and we're going to see what's going on with that person. We're not going to respond in the flesh and get offended by that. Ninny, <laughs> nanny goat, whatever, you know, just acting all stupid and ignorant. You're not even going to think about them that way. They're not ignorant, they're hurting. They're going through something, and whatever they're going through, I'm not going, you know, I'm in a good place. I'm currently not experiencing anything negative, so, you know, I'm in a perfect place right now, Lord, to be able to just go ahead. Who do you need me to pray for? Oh, dear Jesus, all these people, yes. But I'm available because I am not currently going through anything. I'm in a good place. That's actually a good thing. Since I'm not currently going through anything, I'm going to sow seeds. Yes, yes, yes. That's good. So that when I get to when we get to me, <laughs> when it's my turn, I got, I, I got that abundant harvest coming, Miss Penny. <laughs> I got that abundant harvest coming. Because <laughs> I done sown some seeds. Okay, I had a good week in November, and I prayed all the week in November for them folks. And now this is coming around, praise. I know there's a return for me. Yes, yes, That's good. Yes. Sure. yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm not claiming this. Uh, thank you. So seeing your life and seeing other people's lives from God's in the beginning point of view enables you to look bypass the ignorance in which they are currently projecting. <laughs> and allows us to do the same for you. Okay. Keep going. I've heard this quote, I read this quote, and I thought this was so beautiful. When God created you, he created a dream and wrapped your body around it. That's what Lou Ingo says. And I, I, I really believe that because I believe that we were created for God's uh, dreams to come true. Let's take these, uh, we've got a few minutes, go to the next slide. These are the scriptures that align with that. So we're going to look at Jeremiah 29, 11 from the Message Bible. Um, 
And you just take a look. Me, uh, Jeremiah 29 in the message says, or message translation, when you, uh, I know what I'm doing. I have it all <laughs> planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Okay? God's dream wrapped around a body. I know what I'm doing. That's what he said. Uh, 2 Peter 1.10, I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. And it says, For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. Be eager to confirm. This is study to, sh um, um, to, uh, to move to make your call, calling and election sure. That's uh, how you read note in another passage. But when he said, be eager to confirm and validate that God has you, that God, God's dreams for you. Be eager to change. Be eager to think on the things that he says because it's part of his dream. Because it's part of his dream. It's part of how he, you know, and, and the thing is, God's dreams are not like this, oh, I had a dream and it was so beautiful and if only this could come true, how different it would be. No, God's dreams are plans and intentions. That's right. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. That's a dream. With execution in mind. It's an intentional dream. And in Psalm 138.8, um, where it says that the Lord, I like the King James verse the best on this one, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the works of your own hands. And the words that which and endure are in italics, but I'm still going to put them in there. The Lord will perfect, um, or con you can say concerning me, or that which concerns he, he perfects. What does that mean? His presence, the perfection of God, the completion of God. Remember, in the beginning... He put perfection in us, and through Jesus Christ, perfection came again. The Holy Spirit of God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit of God is in us. What does that say? Perfection is at work on the inside of us. Stop rebelling against the process, Lindsay, legally. And Perfection. The hope of glory is in us. The hope, the expectation, not the wish, not the oath only. No, no, no. So this is what he's saying. Those, those are the things that he says. No, this is what I have in mind. And so what is this about? Go ahead. We're learning to see our lives. This is where the homework is, the crux of it this week. Learn to see your life through God's eyes. You're not looking. I know this. We have not been looking at our lives through God's eyes. We've been looking at God. And sometimes we've been looking at God through his eyes because we look at him through his word. But his word is established. Again, I'm going to quote the rabbi. God's word precedes the creation. God's word precedes the manifestation. It doesn't manifest before he said it. But because he said it, it does. It's real. It's not uh, something that you just, oh, yeah, well, I know that God said it, but. There is no but. 
that comes after I know God said it. That's a period. I know God said it is my place of faith, where faith begins. It's the place of, I, I, heard, I read this or heard this one the other day too, and I brought that up to quote it. I'm going to give you Psalm 4511 in the, um, what do they call it, the CEV version. It's one of my favorites. It says, the king is your husband, so do what he desires. Okay, the king is your husband, so do what he desires. But I wrote these little words down. I think I shared some of this on um, Wednesday. Um, my faith should be in, is in God. Should be it's rooted in God, not in my faith, not in me. It's not in me. That's humanistic belief in myself, which is what the world tells you. Believe in yourself. No, believe in God. The Bible never says believe in yourself. It says believe in God. Do you see what I'm saying? So I have to, I have to change it. Well, believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. That was a song from the Wiz. Believe in yourself as I believe in you. That was a song that was sung at the very end of that, that particular play. But that's not what God said. That's what um, Glenda the Good Witch said. She sang it, but God didn't say it. And the world takes that on. Believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself. Believe what? I know. You're talking about believe in me? I'm self-made. Well, it's gonna. the foundation is cracked. It's flawed. Do you understand? You took God's words or his tools and corrupted them. Don't do that. Um, we live God inside-minded. Learn to see your life. I said through him. Okay, I can read it. Learn to see your life through God's eyes. His plan and desire for your life is your validation. I need to be validated. God has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 is part of your validation. I know the plans I have for you, which means you're validated. Because God has plans. He knows what he's doing. This is your time to learn to trust him. With everything that concerns you and yours. And it means, here it says, we have God inside minded. And you know I have to go over these again and again. And we do. We, we need to keep, because we're going to take, we're taking this. We're taking this. And, you know, we got to take it every day. That's right. I let this mind be in me, which is also in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 2.5. I, therefore, as I mature, I have, this is the sign of a mature mind. And if in anything I think otherwise, God will reveal my thoughts to me. And I'm going to take them. And I'm going to say, this is what I want. That this, this is, um, I, I'm going to take it because God's point of view is my only point of view. Yes. Wait a minute. Now, see that, that's a great thing to teach. And I, I, I like it. And I'm still going to quote one more thing about faith. But if God's point of view is my only point of view, why do I have another one? Why am I living from a different point of view? Why am I living in, in the place of hoping God's word works or doubting what he said about me? Why am I living from a, seeing my life as a failure? Why do I live below the standard of the divine, of heaven? Why do I 
question God but accept what the devil says. Um, it says here, one of the things was that I'm, got to, I'm learning how to live ready because I found even as I'm hearing about people leaving the earth and, and some other stuff happening, I have not been living in a state of readiness. A state that says that no matter what comes against me, I can respond with what the word says. Okay? Faith is not, I thought this was so good. My faith is in God. My faith is not in my faith. My faith is in God. It is not in my faith. Faith is not in the thing. The car, the rent, the, the spouse, the the whatever. Faith is not in that. My faith is not in the physical, tangible thing. Because if it is, then I'm going to keep getting disappointed when it does not look like, appear like, seem like it should be. My faith is in God who is unchanging. That's right. That's right. And he is the source of faith. And not only is my faith in God, but it's like Jesus said in Mark 11, my faith is God's faith. Because God's faith is the only faith that believes himself all the time. God is the only person that believes himself all the time. It's true. I mean, we can sit up here and try to look holy. I believe God. True. Now, by faith, I believe, right? God's point of view is oh God's point of view is my only point of view bless the Lord I only <laughs> right oh sister I believe God all the time it's so precious the way he speaks to me morning by morning I just love the relationship that I have with God I can probably do every single voice all right but you get it? Yes. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, God. Mm-hmm. Ooh, he's so good. I love him. I love me some Jesus. I get to go get my praise on and my faith on. I've been having me some time with the Lord. Let me tell you, he feels things to me. Well, why are your house broken down? Well, God hasn't shown me that yet. He's shown me about you and your life. He's shown me about everybody else and their stuff. But my car is rusty. My other stuff is what it is. We'll get to me. But first, he needs me to help him with everybody else. That's you. He never said that anywhere. That's not a point of view. So I would suggest that you just simply say, you're right. I have my little things from God. And we'll just keep going so that I don't touch you. Okay. Right. So God's point of view is our only point of view. Um, you could put up there, I choose God's point of view over my point of view. And I have to keep doing that um, because the scripture says for though we walk in the flesh we don't war after the flesh the weapons of our warfare 
are not carnal, but we keep picking them up. I'm not even talking warfare against mom and them. I'm not talking about warfare against those folks out there. I'm talking about the internal warfare. I'm talking because what we've been talking about is how we think, not how everybody else thinks. What we can do that will strengthen, that will, will, you know, you were given that as, as a homework assignment. And um, go to the next one because this is the breakdown of it. That we take down argumentative, doubt ridden beliefs and reasonings, which are wrong imaginings. See, it's, it's a misuse of imagination. Doubt and unbelief and arguments are a misuse of a divine gift, which is called imagination. It's a misuse. Imagination was meant to be able to see the picture yes. of God's dream yes. for you yes. and to yes. see the yes. way to do it. Yes. It was meant yes. to take us into spiritual dimensions that will open things up for us, open this word up for us, and give us the solutions that we need to be able to walk through. That's what it was used for. But instead, um, uh, it, it, it got corrupted, and it was it, and arguments and doubts. And beliefs, why do they come? Why, why are they called that? Because they come from a source that is not God. You cannot call what Satan says truth. So it has to be doubt. It has to be, it is doubt because what he says causes you not to believe God. What he says causes you to think of yourself in a way that God never said that you were. What Satan says is always desire, even if you think that you're the greatest um, pickle in the jar, whatever, um, you're not, you think this, but it's just still sour and bitter and all that other kind of stuff, you see. He takes it out of your place. Doubt, unbelief, arguments, reasonings, and every high thing that exalts itself, every high thing, every demonic thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, you defeat it with what God said. We take it down with what God said. And that scripture actually means taking it down. Um, go back to that one. We take it down. We bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I've got about six minutes or so. Um, by speaking what God said. If you say what God said, it's God's point of view. I don't know how many people have the, the, the courage to ask God how we look to him. I have, a, I have the capacity, I choose not to exercise it, to avoid situations like that. But I sure can avoid asking. There's a few things he had wanted to talk to me about. And... Um, he said, you don't want to ask me, do you? And I just had to tell him, no, I don't want to ask. Why don't you want to ask? The same reason that you never want to reveal things about yourself to people because you think that you're so familiar with and you think you already know what he's going to say. And the truth is we don't. What he said is what he's going to say. When we ask God, how do I look from your point of view? You get the picture of your life as he sees it. And it also gives us the beginnings of the roadmap or the journey that he wants to go take us on to be seen by others the way he sees us. 
Because see, God only, he sees us as a finished work. And this life is the journey that we took to get there. But at the end of it all is the success. It's, it's what he, this is, you argue, oh, I don't know, this is that is. It's, it's really about relationship with him, and it's about trusting yourself with him in the places that you haven't. It's like a splinter, and I was a known screamer. I mean, just, you want to see me in drama, and I, I had an opportunity, I think about six or seven years ago, in Dr. Baker's office, that I had a sliver of glass. I reverted back to six years old, because when she started trying to take that thing out, she just held it just as firmly as she did then, and I went through every conniption and cry and scream. You never, people who don't even know me thought, what is she doing? And my mother is just, hope she ain't paying any attention to me, she's just digging. And I am acting like you've ever seen a four-year-old or say, ah, ah, I mean, I was over 21. But you wouldn't have known it. In fact, there were a few people, I don't recall who was in there, that looked at me like, I didn't even know you could do that. I mean, I just, I reverted. I just reverted. Um, because I'm just, that's, that, that's just, we ain't never grown up there at all. <laughs> okay. And so, but it's an avoidance sometimes of, I don't want to present this thing because you're going to hurt me. I don't want to, I don't want, I think that you're going to hurt. How did he get to be so cruel to you? And what, what was, see, only sin has us believing that God is cruel. Only sin has you believing God will reject you. He won't, because it's not who he is. Do you understand? So I must see my life from his point of view. Because his point of view is the one that I, that the, the path that I'm to walk to achieve and to attain what he wants. I must see his will. That's what I'm talking about. God's point of view, God's will, God's way, God's solutions, God's wisdom, God's knowledge, God's um, insights, God's attitudes, God's, you know, this is what Jesus did and still does on the inside of us. But if you don't have the courage to ask him, how do I look to you? And stop just, well, he's just going to tell me everything that's wrong with me. Honey, you already know what's wrong with you. He's going to tell you about his righteousness and how it works in you. And some of us, our our dreams are on such a low level that if that's all we're choosing to aspire, we'll fall short of the glory of God. Are you connecting with what I'm saying? yeah, yeah. I'll talk about readiness next time, but this is how, we, with what God said, we learn together. This is together. This is not me just telling you anything. Um, faith is not in the thing. Our faith is in God, and that's the same place that God's faith is. God's faith is in himself. God trusts that the faith that he put in us, the measure of faith that he put in us, he's like, I want to help you to through my work, the things that I'm saying, and all the rest of it, I want to, I want to help you to, to, to do um, what it is that I have for you to do. I know the slide says we're world changers, but, you know, 
that's a part of his vision for you. And you say, well, I don't see how I could do it. I don't see this. I don't see that. It's like, then maybe you should, that's because you're looking from your point of view. So I don't see how it can happen. Wrong point of view. I don't see how this can, happen. This can come out right. Wrong point of view. I don't see how, I mean, I, I've been listening to some different things. And, and, you know, Israel was never supposed to, according to the world, the scripture, what is it, in Isaiah says, can a nation be uh, changed in a day or saved in a day? The answer is yes. May 14th, 1948, in one day, Israel became a nation, was born, born in a day. So the answer is yes. How did it happen? Oh, honey, through the prophetic things that God said. After 2,000 years of obscurity, they were born again. Resurrection happened because God said it would. But do you understand the progression? God said it, and it had to happen. But in the face of all of the impossibilities of, of the world and the, and the occupation of um, you know, demonic things or, or foreign territories occupying the land, and this happening and that happening, it just looks like it's so impossible. But beloved, we have a word. The unchangeable word of God. What God said. I, I have a, a person I, I've heard, of, you know, who is um, possibly moving to heaven today. And I find that incredible because of the character of the person. It just doesn't sound like the way they should go out. Based on everything else that, uh, you know, they, they've always been. But see, somebody could say the same thing about me and I could still go out of this world, not having fulfilled it, if I don't deal with the internal stuff. You see, people, um, all the different reasons people leave the earth or all this other stuff, am I over time? Oh my God, I am. I gotta stop. It's, I don't even know what to say. So um, we're over time, my apologies. I didn't even see it. I'll have to tell y'all this story later or join us on Wednesday. So uh, join us again in 1145 when we will start uh, the Biblical Solutions with our own Dr. Baker. Uh, my apologies for going one minute over, and we'll see you soon. Say bye. Bye.